0: Welcome to episode 72 of The Roger Snipes Show. The The Roger Snipes Show. Yo, thank you once again for, yeah, tuning into the show. (laughs) So before I start, I just want to uh, remind you guys that my book, Your Mind Builds Your Body, is now on pre-order on Amazon now this book is great <laughs> I would say so because I wrote it myself but yeah it is uh, this book is it's like an exercise and lifestyle book for anyone who wants uh, basically a definitive and sustainable plan to transform their body and mindset uh, it takes you through my childhood you know my upbringing so you get an insight on into where I come from and it gives you all the the methods which I've learned over three decades, uh, the accumulative years which has helped me sustain a healthy, strong and lean physique with the biohacks uh, which I recommend for longevity. This is my version of a complete guide to unlocking your true potential. And working towards greatness. So make sure you pre-order your book now by visiting Amazon and searching for Your Mind Builds Your Body. Or uh, just click the link in the show notes and yeah, check it out. Check it out. Right, so the person who I'm interviewing today is a lady called Marilyn Devonish. Yes, Marilyn Devonish. And to be honest, it was such a great conversation that it was like, man, I don't even want to end this podcast, but I think it will get to a point where people will be like, come on, guys, could you just finish up? <laughs> Either that or, oh, man, I wish there was a bit more. Couldn't you just extend it or could you just have her back on the show again? It was so cool, man. It was so cool because... Uh, This lady, she's got so much knowledge, it's unreal, unreal. She's a certified trainer of hypnosis. She's um, a certified past and future life progression. She's a soul plan reader, um, a practitioner of Hawaiian HUNA, which I only learned about during the podcast. She's a DNA theta healing person. <laughs> um, man, this is just a snippet. She knows so much and it's um, it's incredible because she's got she's got a, a a background where it was completely different. you know, she was once in a completely different life. It's insane. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so she's uh, she's got a BA Honours in Business Studies, uh, Chartered Institute of Marketing. She's got a post-grad diploma in Project Management Certification or something like that. She's a cert- Certified Business Analyst, uh, Leadership in Development, all sorts of stuff. I remember, like, when... <laughs> So you'll learn during the podcast where I talk with her where I actually um, discovered her and it was in a place called Clubhouse, the app Clubhouse. If you're not using it, you definitely need to check it out. It's really cool. Um, You get to meet so many great people such as Marilyn herself, Um, you know, entrepreneurs, um, people who are into spiritual healing, healing. people who are marketing experts, all different backgrounds. Anyhow, when I wanted to learn a little bit more about Marilyn, I thought to myself, let me just go through her social media and just see what sort of things she's posting. And I thought, actually, let me check out the link in her bio and see what I can find. So in in the link, there was a section which said resume. (laughs) And... I remember back in the day when I used to apply for a job, I remember I got my CV professionally done and they said it is between one to two pages. Anything more than that is just way too much, you know, because they're going through lots of applications. So you need to make sure it's it's as condensed and concise and just like as detailed as possible without using too much jargon and all that sort of stuff. So. That was my focus and I think I haven't used the CV for so many years now, but I think it was only uh, Probably two pages. Yeah two pages When I went through Marilyn's CV (laughs) It was a book (laughs) It was a book. I was thinking how many pages? I mean, I didn't go through all of it. I, I, you know, I found, I found the relevant information which I needed, but I was like, this is insane. She, she, she's got so much experience. It's unreal. It's unreal. So, you know, as I was reading through it, I was thinking, how old are you? How can you have this much experience? (laughs) Um, But yeah, we'll go through it in the podcast. It's, it's really cool. I really hope you enjoy it. But anyway, Without further ado, let's bring on Marilyn Devonish. Hey Marilyn, how are you doing my friend?
1: I am fabulous, thank you. How are you?
0: I am great, thank you. I just broke my fast recently. I don't know if you intermittent fast, but um you know I received the message from yourself saying yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to this uh to the podcast and I hadn't eaten yet I was like <gasps> I better eat <laughs> almost <laughs> ate the whole plate <laughs>
1: I did the um, same I looked at the time and went I haven't had breakfast and this might be two hours I'd
2: better eat
0: <laughs> yeah 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 exactly right um so I I well your name sort of came to my attention when I was in clubhouse so I was in Clubhouse into in a room which was, I think it was based around motivation. And there was a lady who was talking about a certain uh, trauma that she had gone through. I think she was deaf in one ear or something. Okay. Um, but you can hear it in her voice that, you know, uh, it wasn't like a normal speech. As she was talking, you can hear something was going on. Like she was, I think she was deaf or like, like close to being uh, completely deaf. So when she spoke, you could hear it in her voice. And she was talking to the point where she started to become emotional and she was crying and she was talking about certain things that she was going through. And, you know, people were like, wow, like, I'm so happy that you shared your story with us. Like, you know, we we have so much um, empathy and compassion for you. And I felt the same that I, I went straight to her, Instagram page and I just gave a couple of likes and a couple of, you know, nice comments just to show my support. And then after she had finished, uh, you then went on the microphone and started to speak. And I think your opening line was, okay, before I get started, I don't want any of anybody to be showing any sympathy or like, I've heard it all before. Like what you're about to hear is going to be quite shocking. And I was thinking,
1: Uh oh. (laughs) Sounds like me.
0: (laughs) Is it going to be more than what this lady said? Because I don't know if anyone can top that. Not that it's a competition or anything. But when you started to speak, I was like, wow. And listening to your voice as well, you sound so casual about it. But um, before we get into that,
1: now the audience are like, well, what did she say? What did she well, say?
0: Well, 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 come on, come on. <laughs> um, yeah, so before we get into that, what I'd like you to do, if you can, is just to introduce yourself and also to give us a little background about yourself. What is it you do?
1: So what I might do is my clubhouse intro. So this okay. is normally how I open the rooms when I'm moderating. I say, hey, my name is Marilyn Devonish. I've been a coach and therapist for the past 20 years. So I started in October 2000. I've also been coaching online since 2005. So that's 15 years before the pandemic pivot, when everyone was trying to do coaching and therapy online for the first time. The old normal is my new normal. Um, I'm a multidisciplinary therapist and I'm trained in about 20 different modalities, not because I couldn't decide, it's just that I I realized that one size didn't fit all. And as clients were sitting in front of me, I wanted to have more flexibility, so decided that I would broaden my my skills. When I started, I specialised in working with people with confidence and self-esteem issues, imposter syndrome, trauma, uh, working with negative emotions, limiting beliefs, so things like anger, sadness, fear, guilt, anxiety, shame, and the I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy enough, I'm not capable enough. I was also a relationship coach for nine years and used to write a magazine column for uh, a magazine called Spirit and Destiny, did that for about seven years is Uh, was also a media specialist for Psychologies magazine. And one of the topics I really love speaking and teaching about is presentation and public speaking skills, Mm. because I was terrified of public speaking right up until the age of 32. And I could barely even speak to my own family. And I'm also a mental health first aid trainer, which means going into organisations, both in person and virtually, to train their staff to be mental health first aiders, which means first point of contact in terms of having these kinds of conversations and yeah for those of you on clubhouse my potted history is in my clubhouse bio so feel free to have a read but that's that's me in a nutshell and I also teach photo reading accelerated learning so how to read at 25,000 words per minute get through a whole book in five minutes and the reason I stumbled into that is because I was also diagnosed with what was thought to be early onset Alzheimer's in my 20s and my doctor had said there was nothing they could do for me so I set up on a path to kind of go this cannot be how my life is going to be for the rest of my life so that's me in a nutshell
0: wow wow that's just that's incredible and that's not even everything like because <laughs> i i remember uh, like i was going through your profile and i was thinking all right so what experience have you had just to kind of think where i can gear the questions to make sure it's an area that i know you're going to be able to cover and in your bio, you had a link which, which said resume. And I was like, do people still use resumes? But anyway, I thought, let me just have a look on that. And I was like, my God, like all this experience, you didn't even cover all of it. That, was, I, just, that was a tiny portion. That was uh, the bite-sized chunk. I was that, After I read all of that, and I was like, you know what? One of the things I have to ask is, because of all this experience, how old are you? Yeah, I was like... How do you manage to do all of this? How Like (laughs) a (laughs) hundred? At least, at least.
1: (laughs) Roger, I have to say you are very thorough because the resume, seriously, the resume started. I had to send something to a client and I was like, oh man, it's just going to look really dull if I just put it on a piece of paper. So I thought, let me just do a little document. 32 pages later i'm like okay i'm just starting and 32 pages i think is more than enough we just have to leave it there but it really started as so i just need a quick way to summarize some of the things that i do and it just got completely out of hand but in answer to your question i'm 52 as we sit here in real time and i'll be 53 in may
0: wow wow definitely don't look at as i'm sure you've heard that many times before <laughs> Um, I mean, this isn't even anything to do with the stuff that we've gone through, but like, would you say that there's something which has helped you to maintain such great youth and energy to yourself?
1: The thing that for me, absolutely. Yes. Mm. And I I know it's a hundred, a million percent. Yes. Because before I got into this line of work, I was really ill. I wanted, I had adrenal fatigue and all sorts of things. And I was needing to sleep 12 to 15 hours a day just to function and drag myself through the day. And I kid you not, there were times I was out to dinner with friends and I would fall asleep in the restaurant and do the nodding dog. That's how tired I always was. And in October, 2000, I started learning about what they call the mind-body connection. And I was on a training course. I swear to this day, I have no idea what happened in that one hour and 20 minute segment because suddenly my I started thinking, hold on a minute. If the mind and body are connected, and if we can impact the way we think and the way we feel, and the universe is infinite, cause I'd rest, just read something called the holographic universe. Um, I started right. thinking, well, hold on. Am I, I knew I was physically ill. I knew, I, I knew what was wrong, you know, couldn't fix it, but I knew what was wrong. But I also started to think, am I contributing to that tiredness? Because you could say to me, Marilyn, do you want to go out on Friday night? And I'd be like, I'll, and it could be, it could be Monday. And I go, oh no, I can't, I'll be tired. And people go, okay. <laughs> but then I'll be like, hold on a minute. How do I know on Monday that I'm going to be tied on Friday? I knew because I've been like that for nearly four years. However, I thought, what if I'm also talking, my, partly talking myself into it? So I sat in that room while they're all talking and we whatever they're doing. And I came up with a process to start regenerating my energy and to change the way the energy moves through my body and to change my perception of myself and my energy and the, the, the image I had in my head, I don't know, if, well, you're probably not old enough yourself, Roger, to know what I'm gonna say next. But there was a thing called the Duracell bunny. And yeah, there used to be a TV advert where the Duracell bunny would play a drum and the other bunny- Yeah, have I've a seen that. battery would eventually just do this. And I just thought, yeah. I wanna be like the Duracell bunny where when I'm, when I'm focused on what I'm doing and I'm enjoying it and I'm just alive, I can just keep going. I swear to you. I did it in that moment. It took about an hour and 10 minutes. A few days later, someone said to me, my God, you're like the Duracell bunny. And when she said it, I was like, did she just say what I think she said? And then the weekend after, cause this was a seven day training, like 15 hours a day, it was awful. Not awful, but in terms of time for somebody who was already fatigued. After I finished that training, the next day I went out to do some grocery shopping, met a guy that I used to work with years ago. First thing he said is my God, have you been on holiday? I was like, dude, I ain't slept for seven days. So I'm like, people are now noticing my energy. That was 20 years ago. I'm still exactly the same. And a few days ago, somebody said, God, Marilyn, you're like the Duracell bunny. And I laughed.
2: And I (laughs) thought back
1: to that day in October 2000. So no, I didn't do a Lady Gaga. I wasn't born this way, Um, (laughs) but um, managed to engineer it as such. And now I know it's not a fluke because it's been 20 years.
0: Mm, mm. Well, that's amazing, you know, seriously. There's, so, there's some people who do have that, that youthfulness inside them. And some people, I don't know if it's something to do with like being um, like old souls or young souls and that sort of thing. Do you believe in all of that?
1: I definitely would say that I'm an old soul. Absolutely. I feel like, and when I was growing up, because I was very quiet and shy lacking in confidence to have very low self-esteem, number one, wasn't great at socialising. But number two, I don't know why. I was fascinated with the older people, the elders, and would enjoy just listening to the elders. Um, And so that was for me. So I always feel like, and there are sometimes things that I think, when I was younger, I shouldn't know about that. I shouldn't know how to do that. I don't know if I should understand that concept, but I do. So Mm -hmm. it always felt as though I've been here. And I know for me, I do energy work. So I'm a fan of something called HUNA, H-U-N-A. And I'm pretty certain that because I'm, how can I say that, running that through my system when I'm doing HUNA with my clients, I actually think it impacts me. The reason I say this, you're going to realize very soon Roger that everything you say I've got a story for it. i <laughs> right. ready for the blood pressure story.
2: <laughs> Let's go. So,
1: so I go to my go to my doctor now. I'd started doing these monthly huna sessions where I would do this is where it's going to get weird. I apologize to the audience. I've no idea what the demographic of this audience is. So, I did these monthly things where I would do tarot or oracle card and tarot readings and huna energy clearings. I was doing it every single month. Been doing it for a year. I went to see my doctor, and my doctor wasn't there. It was a new guy. So we do the blood pressure, and he's got the form, and he went, and he looks at the numbers, and he went, he went, and then he went, what? Wow. He went, wow. Now, when a when a doctor you've never seen before looks at you twice and does a double take and goes, wow, and sits back, you're like, oh dear, this can't be good news. And then I said, is everything all right? And he said, oh, he said, oh, um, and he's flustered, and now I'm like. Just tell me what's going on. He yeah. said, um, It's very unusual for a woman of <clears throat> your age to have her blood pressure improving and getting better. And I was like, That's so weird. And I was thinking, What's been different in the last 12 months? My routine had been exactly the same. So I knew it wasn't that because I'd been doing ballet for, I think, two or three years at that point. Mm. And I thought, The only thing that's been different between these two appointments is that I'm regularly doing the Huna energy clearings. And I really think that because that energy is running through my system and then going to my clients, I'm like, I must be benefiting from this as well. Because for that man to literally, he sat back, he went, what? And he sat back in his chair, like, like shock. And I was like, what's going on? I'm like, it's got to be the energy work and the meditation. I really think that has, it's not all of it, but I think that has got a lot to do with it.
0: Wow. I've never heard of Huna, to be honest. We just give a little a little, I don't know, synopsis on HUNA.
1: HUNA is said to be about 35,000 years old. When I first went out to Hawaii to study, one of the first things that struck me is like, hold on a minute, this is personal development. I've heard all of the big name speakers talking about these concepts in a slightly different way. Mm. There's there's, there's a, what I call the social media version, a very tiny portion, because people often say they haven't heard of HUNA, but they've maybe heard of something called Ho'oponopono or the forgiveness process. There's a phrase that runs around social media, I'm sorry, I love you, please forgive me, thank you. That's what I call the quick and dirty version of Huna. That's not what I learned when I went out to Hawaii. Ho'oponopono in the version I learned is a big process where you've got the stage and you've got the avaiku and you've got the mana and you're cutting the arca connection. So it's a whole big thing rather than just words. But it's an ancient Hawaiian healing practice. It's about self-empowerment. So it works with the elements. It works with symbols. So anyone, let's say, who knows Reiki, yeah. it has symbols that you use. And it is, a, and it works with the higher self. And it is a way of cleaning up your energy, cutting old links and ties and connections, and being more in alignment, not just with yourself, but with the world around you. And mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> my clients love it. I can do so, I can send energy to a client in Australia. They have no idea what I'm even doing. I'll get an email going, Marilyn, did you send me some huna today? And I'll be like, why'd you ask? And they'll be like, I felt it. I've had people who've listened to MP3 recordings five years after I recorded them. And I'm receiving emails going, oh, thank you so much for the teleseminar, the audio. When it was playing, I felt this and this. And the first time it happened, I'm reading. I'm like, "I I didn't do a webinar. So I emailed them back and said, thank you so much for your email. I'm really glad you enjoyed the MP3 recording. Can I just ask you, what were you listening to? She's listening to something that I recorded five years ago, and still having exactly the same, the same experience. And so, Huna is one of my client favourites because it's so quick. It will transcend boundaries, and it will impact people. I can be in a room of five hundred and fifty people. I can do two or three minutes of Huna. Every single person gets something different, and they will spend. Copious amounts of time telling me what they've experienced and it, every person got something different. The thing that was consistent when I did it for the first time at an event with that many people, I started with, let's say the water symbol. People had no idea. All they knew was the woman on stage going, that doesn't mean anything to anyone, even another HUNA practitioner because we all use our breath differently. Yeah. People say, well, when you started, I always felt like I was under a waterfall." And then I use a fire symbol. And then they said, and then I felt really hot as though like there was a fire, seriously. And this went on every single time for four days. I was hearing the same description from people. So they had no idea what was going on, but they felt it. And were able to put it into words and had some of them had physical things that were going on like migraine just disappeared. Lethargy disappeared, backache disappeared confusion disappeared it was crazy cool When well, I know it's crazy cool but that was the first time I've done it with like over 500 people but my clients who have been with me for 20 years they know the score but Huna is one of my favorite energy clearing processes oh, see and, and I can talk for England Roger I think we need to get that clear as well okay so, yeah. that's
0: all good all good <laughs> it sounds like something I definitely want to do myself so you went to Hawaii to do that is that right yeah OK, and, and are,
1: you know, I, I do like a, I do like an intro workshop and that one of the organizations mm. I trained with, they're thinking of doing some stuff in the UK. But the experience out in Hawaii was just amazing. Amazing.
0: Right. Right. So um, you're also a, a psychotherapist. No, you're also a therapist, right?
1: And hypnotherapist.
0: And hypnotherapist. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm going to come to that in a moment. Is there a difference between a therapist and a psychotherapist?
1: Yeah, for me, what I would say was, I think all therapy is absolutely valuable. I know when I started out, psychotherapy was one of those things that people were doing for, for many years, you know, as they're unpeeling and working through the layers, a bit like counselling as well. Uh, people would see it maybe be with a counsellor for many years. And when I started doing this line of work, I was working with people sometimes for just one day. And Mm. we'd we'd start at 10 o'clock in the morning, we'd work through the day, finish at four or five, buy, have a nice life, their life is completely transformed. So it was just a very different way of working. And there's absolutely value in the talking approach. And when I first got into this line of work, I often say to people, I went from suicidal to Samaritan because right. I contemplated suicide in September 2000. And the following year became a Samaritans volunteer where I'm answering the phone, you know, speaking to people who are having their own challenges. Um, so I, I just for me, it's just a very different way of working. Um, yeah, we talk a little bit, but really we're just there to, to sort this thing out. So,
0: yeah. So what is the main differences between them both, would you say? The, sorry the therapist and the psychotherapist I That's would say
1: from, from my perspective um I would say what I the way that I'm working is probably a bit more dynamic and a bit more yeah. practical in terms of I, I'm, I don't just want to hear about the story and, and, and unravel it through conversation or reflection um I'm actually saying right I hear the story let's resolve it Mm. let's work on this let's change this and let's do something to change it so the client doesn't have to do all of the heavy lifting in terms of trying to figure it out and reason it out and oh my gosh and then there was this and then was that it's like okay we got the story let's go forth and resolve this but they're going to have similar outcomes but for me having gone through both um when I was doing just the, what I call the talking therapy I was just taught and it is therapeutic to talk I've yeah. you know I've written many blogs saying it's good to talk here's the number for the Samaritans so I've been <laughs> banging on about that for the past 20 years um, and for me I, it's just a different way of working and people often come to see me when they feel like they've tried everything else and they can describe the problem back and forth left and right inside out and center and they still haven't resolved it and now they're in a place saying can we just can, can I just can I just resolve this please I just want mm to resolve it and move on with the rest of my life and that's where some of the other tools and the other modalities will come into it
0: yeah I mean you've got like so many dynamic stuff it's it's incredible like how can I put it um it's it's like the difference between well not directly the same but you've got someone who might be um a personal trainer but then you might have someone who is a a a nutritionist and uh, a functional medicine practitioner so they've got more dynamics in what they can offer for a, a, a larger holistic approach as opposed to somebody just teaches someone how to train that makes sense that was probably a rubbish analogy no but, absolutely yeah. it is, that's, that's <laughs> a
1: great analogy because it is a bit like that because mm. there'll be times where you might speak to someone who can hear what you're saying and listen to it and empathize with it and hold the space But they may not necessarily have the tools to then do something about it, Mm. (laughs) you know, where I can hear what you're saying and I can empathize with you. And then once we've done that, we could do something about it. So, yes, absolutely. And for me, you're right. The holistic thing has always been really important in Mm. terms of working with. And there's an event I've been running for 10 years called the MBS Energy Fest, Mind, Body, Spirit and Soul, because I'm like, we're, we're a whole unit you know, yes, we got, but but people often work on this bit, but now what about, you know, in the bodybuilding world and the the weightlifting world and the exercising world, you know, they probably know the joke about they forgot to do leg day. So they're (laughs) they're like this and they're bulked out at top. And then you look at the legs and they got spindly little legs. If you really want to do a whole body thing, you need to do leg day and arm day and abs and all the rest of it. You can't jump where you can, but you probably don't want to just work on the one thing. And for me, that's always the way that I've seen my work as well, is I want to be able to be more holistic and do something from the inside out, which is going to make a massive change and transformation in someone's life.
0: That's exciting. So exciting. What other thing did I read that you do? something about um, a photo reader. What's it, what's, you're a certified photo reader? I I read that, I was like. (laughs) You're like, she's just making this up now. She's just making this up. What title can I create? Oh, I was, I've never heard of that, so please. Um, okay, what, what is just, just
1: it? so you know it's real, I was doing a talk about this yesterday, so just so you can see it's real, these are the photo reading books. so oh. it, it, it's a thing, it's trademarked and all the rest of it. Photo reading's been about since 1985, and the way I describe it to my clients is, If you want to at least, this is a real book, if you want to at least half your reading speed, then photo reading is the way to do it. So the the premise of photo reading is how to read at 25,000 words per minute. The average reading speed is, I don't know, four to 600 words a minute if you're really fast. I'd do about 250. <laughs> well, no, but, that, but the average reader is, you know, anywhere from two to 300 thereabouts. If somebody's, mm-hmm. let's say, a speed reading, they might be doing four 500 words a minute. Yeah. So we're starting with 25,000 words per minute and showing people how they can photo read a whole book from start to finish in about five minutes. And then you're learning strategies for you to be able to remember and recall what it is you've actually read. And, and this book was, uh, I was talking to a client about it yesterday there was a in the town i live in when we're not in lockdown we have um, something called the imagine festival and there was a strong woman there so you know she's doing the thing where she had a metal bar on her shoulders and a man sitting in a, on a swing on either side and she's just walking around like this and wow. one of her acts is to rip a book in half so after she'd finished she's just packing up i picked this up and i said excuse me um, is there any way I can just buy a couple of your props? So she went, oh no, I just have it. I was gonna throw it away anyway. So she actually ripped this book in half and I just thought it's a brilliant representation of photo reading. If you want to at least half your reading speed, double your reading speed, then photo reading is a really fantastic way to do it. And I only came across it because of the early on to stuff. Mm, yeah. But when I did read all the lo- the stuff about 25,000 words per minute, a whole book in five minutes, double treble your reading speed get more done in less time do it with yeah. ease and realization I was like oh, no 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 this has got to be no, 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 no. this can't work
2: mm. um,
1: and and so I bought the tapes and I just kept them for 2 years because even I just couldn't believe it could be possible and a, a two that was, I bought them in 1998 in the 2000 year 2000 I was on a training course and the guy who was running it somebody said um how do you remember all this stuff names dates facts figures all the data and he said oh I read 20 to 30 books a month I'm like dude you obviously don't get out much
2: I don't read that in a year
1: (laughs) and then somebody said how do you do it and so he pointed there was a resource table at the back of the room where they had products for sale and he pointed to these tapes that I have right here and he said I photo read and I was like oh my gosh I've got those sitting on the shelf at home (laughs) it sounded too fantastic to be true so I just left it there gathering dust and that's where I coined the phrase shelf development where my bookshelf was more developed than me because I wasn't reading and using any of the data that was sitting there gathering dust so I was like you know what I've seen it in action now yeah. let me go back and rather than being I know this and I know that and I know how to read and I know how to study and you can't tell me anything <laughs> I was like, let me just put all of that to one side go into it with an open mind do what the man on the tape in those days is asking me to do and see what happens. And the rest was like freaking magic. I'm not kidding you. It blew my mind.
0: How long did it take for you to start grasping the concept and really seeing some significant changes? And also, what what, what reading speed did you start with? And uh, yeah, where did you max out?
1: The reading speed I started with was almost zero. <laughs> okay. Because... At that time, I was studying to be a chartered accountant, and things had gotten so bad with my mind and my memory that I was reading the same chapters 10, 15, 20 times, had no idea what I'd read. And I'd be sitting in the ACCA ACCA exams, and I'd be scoring like 28%. Now, I'm a woman who, when I did my degree... was a couple I was 1.3% I think it was 1.7% away from getting a first class and I was working full time while doing a full-time degree when all of the stuff came with what was thought to be early onset Alzheimer's all of that went out the window and literally you could say something to me if I didn't write it down straight away gone and I was working at the time And so um, Mm -hmm. I had what I call a sunflower desk where somebody would say something, I would grab my pen and a post-it note, write it down and it goes on. So eventually my desk looks like a a sunflower. There's just post-it notes everywhere. (laughs) If one ever got lost, I was done for because I'd have no idea what I was meant to be doing. That then turned into a list. So I was very efficient. And the running joke was, where am I on Marilyn's list? The reason I had to become like that couldn't remember. I could meet you in the corridor and say, oh, hey, Marilyn, can you set up a meeting with the Asia Pacific team? Yeah, no problem. Get back to my desk and go, oh, God, what have they asked me to do? Mm -hmm. Gone. So now I have to sit there in fear. A few days later, they say, did you set up the meeting with the Asia Pacific team? Oh, I've just got one more person I need to hear from. Now I've got to scramble and do the thing I should have done. And eventually I went to see my doctor and I explained what was going on. And he said, everything you're telling me, it, it presents like early onset Alzheimer's i then I'm, unfortunately It's nothing I can do for you the most I can do is I can give you a medical certificate which I can send on your behalf to the ACCA to see if they can give you extra time in your exams so when I rocked up to do my personal development training I had a medical certificate for my memory and we had a test that we had to do now I had two and a half months to do this test open book you read the question, you listen to the tapes because it's learning by tapes. You read the book and you just write the answer. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get my head around it. So when I went to the training in October 2000, I handed in my test and apparently behind the scenes, they're like, who is this Marilyn Devener? She must be lazy or stupid because it was one of the worst tests they'd seen. And I went into the training with no intention of completing it. I only went to get a refund, long story. Signed up, didn't realize I signed up for some new age hocus pocus, as my friends used to call it. So I tried to get a refund. They wouldn't give me a refund, but said, come to the training. If you don't get massive value, give you a refund at the end, blah, blah, blah. So now I'm angry as well as, you know, having to waste my time on this test that I couldn't do. (laughs) By the end of the training, I'd loved it. So I decided that three weeks later, I was gonna go back and do the master practitioner. However, I'm now back to my accountancy studies and I'm already busy and the test is humongous. It's massive compared to the practitioner test. So now I'm like, okay, I've seen this guy saying that he photo reads 20 to 30 books a month. I've got the tapes on my shelf. I haven't got time to do the test. Let me just photo read. So I just spent the first day and a half just going through the tapes, doing everything I was told. And then I did the test in that state. There was like 65, 70 people on that training and my goal, I put a goal in my timeline because now I'm getting into the esoterics, put a goal in my timeline that I was going to, my test is going to be perfect. No corrections, just well done. Good job. Handed the test in; it takes them a week to mark them because they're so massive. Mm. Every single person in the room had corrections except for one person. Who do you think the one person is who had no corrections? Have a guess. Was it you? That would be me. And so now I go from worst test to best test in three weeks. And then the following year in May, 2001, I became a trainer of NLP. And NLP trainers training is a juggernaut, three weeks. One of those days includes a eight hour closed book exam condition day where you're just powering through one exam paper after the other. I decided I wasn't gonna revise, I'm just gonna photo read. And I put a goal in my timeline that I'll be finished in three hours. I was finished in three hours on the money. And apparently they were like, who is it? So it went from who's Marilyn Devon? She must be lazy or stupid to, who is Marilyn Devinish and did she cheat? It looked like I'd copied the textbook and I was finished. There were still people writing at six o'clock. I was at home with my feet up watching Columbo. Um, And so they were, so they were, were, I'm a fan of Columbo, long story. Um, But seriously, there was, there were so many of those instances, but initially it just took me a week or so to get my head around it. And when I run a workshop, it's two and a half days. Clients come in one end going, what is this thing? By the Friday, they're like, my mind is blown. Why didn't you tell me it was this good before and by the sunday they're like whoa and it's like the movie limitless
0: yeah if you ever seen
1: it with bradley cooper yeah. it's a bit like that
0: i love that movie anything like that sort like just watching that when i see the guy take the tablet and all of a sudden was it um nz i can't N-Z-T.
2: remember
0: nzt wow yeah. wow i've always been looking for that have you tried nootropics
1: no, but the, the reason I mentioned Limitless, not one. I love the movie, I watched it a couple of days ago again, but the reason mm. I mentioned that is I had a doctor and a training, he was a medical doctor and he was training to be a neurosurgeon. He came to my photo reading workshop and on the Friday night, because we do like, you know we do four hours on the Friday, then a Saturday and Sunday. On the Friday, he came up to me and he said, um, have you seen the movie Limitless? And at that point, I'd never seen it. This was about six years ago. Mm. I says, no, why? He said, everything that's in the movie you're teaching us how to do it here in real life without having to take a dangerous silver pill. He said, the only thing you're not doing is time shifting. Now I didn't know what he meant about the time shifting. I was like, Oh, okay. <laughs> On the Sunday afternoon, he comes back and he says, I take that back. I says, what do you mean, Dr. Coss? And he said, um, we are time shifting because I cannot believe how much we've done, how much we've covered, how much people have learned in such a short space of time. And so for the following year after that, every single Sunday without fail, the only time we wouldn't speak is if Dr. Koss was doing a neurosurgeon exam or if I was running my photo reading workshop. But every single Sunday we would, we said an hour, duh. Um, it was like three or four hours, but we'd speak every Sunday about, new talk about what I'm doing from the neuroscience perspective and explaining how it works from the esoteric perspective. And after that year, I was like, doctor Coss, Cos, we've got so much information here, we should run a workshop. So I hired a cinema in London, a lovely place called The One Old Witch. I got in touch with the film company because you can't just hire a cinema and show a show a Hollywood movie just because you can't see it. <laughs> so I got in touch with the film company, I laid out what I wanted to do, why I was doing it, what we were going to be doing, and I applied for a license to be able to show Limitless in a private cinema for money. Um, mm. And so Dr. Koss came along and talked about the neuroscience side. And how, and I talked about the personal development side and we showed how they fit together. And in the middle of the workshop, we showed the movie Limitless. But the reason I always mention it, because Dr. Koss was like, you're doing everything in the movie. And I then ran out and purchased a copy myself the day after the photo meeting, And I was straight on the phone, like, Dr. Koss, we need to talk. Because it was just that. It was just like, whoa. <laughs> That's
0: incredible. That's incredible. I mean, you, oh, wow, wow. You're doing so many amazing things. And it's you know and and it's it stems from lots of experience that you've had over the years and all the courses and different things that you've done but um it hasn't always been that way so taking it back to the very beginning where we spoke at the at the very start of this podcast back to
1: clubhouse
0: yeah back to clubhouse we're gonna actually take it even further back to uh <laughs> <laughs> back way
1: back back into yeah time.
0: <laughs> yeah <exactly. laughs> So your upbringing wasn't wasn't the wasn't the greatest. Could you take us through some of the experience that you went through, um, which wasn't so glamorous, and what you yeah what you had gone through and what you learned from it.
1: So for for those of you who've been here since the beginning, thank you for watching. And we're going back to the room, the clubhouse room that Roger was in. That said, when when you spoke, whoa. So what I most likely said in terms of offering the trigger warning, because when I, if I just blurt it out, people are then like, oh my god. So I always have to preface it with saying, relax, everyone, it's cool. I'm not the least bit triggered by it. I'm all good. It's fine. And that's why I can be quite casual about the way I say it. So I have most likely said, hey, you know, in terms of experiences in childhood, I did have a challenging childhood and I was sexually abused from the age of seven to 17. And I say that not so people can go, oh, you poor thing, just so they can know that it is possible to have that kind of experience and come out the other side. And let's be clear, I didn't just come out the other side. I had the first 32 years of my life culminated in. September 2000, I contemplated suicide and I actually sat and worked out all of the ways I could potentially do it. And some of them I ruled out and others I was like, you're on the possibility list. And that would have been, now I thought I thought that the tipping point was because a partner had had an affair. That felt like the catalyst. But when I got into personal development and really started to look at this for the first time, I'm like, that probably had nothing to do with it. It was all of the abuse from all of those years and the way that I'd suppressed it And put a lid on it and try to put it behind me put it out of my mind so when i hear people saying oh yeah i've put it behind me but you could tell in their voice it's like it's behind you and it's just waiting to go (laughs) pow that's what my life was like and one of the reasons then i was i'm naturally okay when i say this people who know me they just burst out laughing i am in i'm off the chart introvert in terms of MBTI, the Myers-Briggs type indicator. I still am. So when you add being introverted to trauma and abuse, that's not a good combination. So now, because I don't want anyone to know anything about me and what's happened to me, I now have to start putting up a barrier and a wall to keep people away. And I remember at one point, my older sister calling me snooty and stuck up because that's the way I would have appeared because I didn't want anyone anywhere near me because if they got near me, they would be able to see how damaged and traumatized and broken I was. And anyone who's been through that kind of abuse, guilt and shame is really common. You feel guilty sometimes. Now as a seven-year-old, you don't really know what's going on. Mm. You're the special one, it's the game, whatever. Um, by the time you start getting into your you know, 14, 15, you definitely are aware that this isn't right but what are you gonna do about it? Mm. So now there's a sense of guilt that you're not doing something about it and massive amounts of shame that is associated with that. And so to make sure that no one could ever find out and have any idea, the walls and the barriers have to go up. So now I'm already quiet and shy introverted. I've now got to take another step back again to make sure that no one can get close enough to me to find out what's really going on in my life. And I carried that until I was 32 years old. And I would have genuinely said to you, there's nothing I can do about that. That's who I am. That's my personality. That's my past. I can't change that. And I truly believe that because I didn't, no, that's not true. My brain is like, don't lie. Um, well, <laughs> I got an inkling because I used to watch Oprah, the Oprah Winfrey show.
2: Yeah.
1: And I used to sit in the, I used to sit at home and I would pray, bit of fluff, I would sit at home and I would think, I wish I could be in the audience. I wish I could be in the audience. I wish I could be in the audience so that one of the specialists on the stage could help me and could say, cause you see these people coming up on stage, the therapist or whatever would say like a few words and they'd be like, Oh my God. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I want that. I want that. So now it's gone from, I wish I could be in the audience to Oprah let me be on that stage because I can be the person who says a few words and has a
2: transformational
1: conversation and people are like, Oh my God. So mm. it's a complete <clears throat> flip, but, I, that, but I, that gave me an inkling that people out there were trying at least to resolve these issues, but I still didn't think it was possible for me, but I knew there were people in America who were doing these things. And weirdly, I'm, one of the women I sat and watched on that stage is a woman called Marianne Williamson. I'm interviewing Marianne Williamson this weekend. So that's gonna be one of those full circle moments where I now sit in, well, of course it's on Zoom, but I'm gonna sit ne- next to Marianne Williamson and have an hour and a half where it's just me and her doing an interview and taking questions from the audience. And that's, that's almost one of those full circle moments because I sat in the 1980s stroke, early 90s watching Marianne Williamson spinning some prayer vibes onto people and wishing wishing that I could receive a little bit of that so Mm -hmm. yeah when I say people I had a slightly challenging and the reason I say sexual abuse if I say abuse people kind of think maybe I've got a clip around the ear
2: yeah
1: so I just have to make it absolutely clear what we're talking about one of the most common reactions I get from people is I never have guessed and I say that's exactly my point Yeah, it is possible to go through something like that and not have it mar and degrade and color and ruin your entire life. You can still come out the other side and live a life full of joy and happiness and excitement and actually be fine. And that's what I say to people in terms of how do you know something is healed? How do you know you're over it? You can talk about it just as easily as I might say, do you know what, Roger, I fancy a cup of green tea. I could say, oh yeah, I was sexually abused from the age of seven, 17. I don't say it to be blase in that way, to Mm. dismiss it, it's serious stuff. I say it in that way because there's no energy, and no charge to it. And Mm. I want people to know you can go through that and it doesn't have to ruin your entire life because when it does, that means the person, the perpetrator of that, they've won. Mm-hmm. even when they're not there, they're still ruling your life. And I'm like, no, when I realized it was possible to change and transform, I was like, I can't have that. I will not have that. This person's already had 32 years of my life.
0: Yeah.
1: You're not having any more. No. So
0: what did you do? Like, what? what is some of the process for the healing for you? I mean, look at you now, super powerful woman, helping the world doing some incredible stuff. But what was the healing process? What was the initial step? to heal yourself?
1: Do you know, it's a little bit like what people might say with AA. The first step was to admit there was a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Because yeah. if you've met the old Marilyn, I'll be like, I'm fine, How, fine. You know, everything was fine. Yeah. So so it was like, no. And, and the reason why I was so resistant, because I didn't believe it was possible. And when I signed up for the training, I thought I'd signed up for a communication skills course. Because I, one of the reasons I chose to be an accountant or decided to study accountancy, was that I thought I wouldn't have to talk to people. I could just punch numbers and push papers in the background. Oh no, 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 no. To be a slightly decent accountant, you've got to be able to talk to your clients. I'm like, oh crap. So <laughs> now I'm like, this isn't gonna work. Cause I really would have wanted to be a lawyer. That's what I truly would have loved to have done. Mm. But my, sister, my older sister was a lawyer. And now there was nothing to do with my older sister. I made a comparison in my mind. She's so bright and clever. I'm not as bright as her. So now if I study exactly the same thing, I put myself in the arena where people can directly compare us. Whereas previously, they couldn't make a direct comparison. If I now follow the same profession, bang, it's gonna be right there. Well, Jackie got an an A, Marilyn got a C. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 can't do that. (laughs) You have to have a voice. So much as I'd (laughs) watched Ali McBeal and thought I was an expert, I knew I couldn't spin (laughs) the vibes like Ali McBeal. Mm. So I decided accountancy would be the safest route. So now I have to up my communication skills game. So sign up for what I thought was a communication skills course, which was the NLP. And then when when the joining instructions and all the books and the tapes back in those days arrived, I'm like, what's this? NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy, HUNA. This isn't Mm -hmm. what I signed up for. So I was straight on the phone. There's been a mistake. I need my money back because it was several thousand pounds. So (laughs) that's how it came to be. Mm -hmm. And those are the very processes that I used to resolve this. So in my case, you know, it took a couple of weeks because I'm learning the processes as well as being the client because the way that you teach the training, you do the theory, you go off and work in groups of two or three, and everyone has the chance to be the practitioner And everyone has a chance to be the client. And you often Mm -hmm. have an observer who can give feedback. So I was going through it in bite-sized pieces. And it culminated in this thing that we call the breakthrough session, which is just one day. And so that's why when I qualified for the first nine years I was in practice, I just did the breakthrough sessions, mainly face-to-face in one day. But that partly changed in 2005, when a client phoned up, She said i've just read your article in psychology's magazine absolutely loved it i want to book a one day breakthrough session i'm like no problem cool fine she said i'm in birmingham i went oh brilliant there's a straight train from birmingham to you know where i live and there was a moment of silence and she said birmingham alabama (laughs) i was like oh now i knew she had an american accent but london is really eclectic so it didn't occur to me and so i said to her okay here's what we're gonna do. We're not gonna do eight hours on the phone. That's too much in one one sitting. And we didn't have all Skype and I didn't have a webinar room and an online coaching room back then. So I said, we're gonna break it down into blocks of two hours, pay for the breakthrough session. However, even if you're happy with it, if I'm not happy with the way it's gone, I'll give you a full refund, no questions asked. To this day, one of the best breakthrough sessions I've ever done. And so the thing that worked for me, which was the combination of the NLP, hypnosis, timeline therapy. And nowadays, because I'm trained in HUNA, there's a big dose of HUNA. That is that is how it happened.
0: Ooh, that sounds amazing.
1: It is amazing.
0: Oh, I feel like I need to book something. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say, let's say um, someone comes to you um, with a childhood trauma trauma you know a lady has been as let's say for instance there was a lady she had witnessed her father being abusive to her mother on a regular basis and she's a young girl she's seen all of this happen and then she grows up and she finds herself being attracted to guys that are just gonna abuse her all the time you know take advantage What would you do? What would you say is the main main reason for that, why she's been attracted to this kind of relationship and why she keeps having those relationships as well? Not just the one, (laughs) many of them. And what would your procedure be to get her out of it?
1: Oh man, Roger, I love your brain. Seriously, these are some good questions. And the the question you've asked, there's of course a story. Um, (laughs) When I was doing the NLP training, there's a guy called Richard Bandler, who was one of the co-creators of NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming.
2: Mm.
1: And I was told a story of an event that he did. Now he did it as an experiment. So I had a room full of people, but within that room, there was one woman who had been abused as you're describing and there was one man who was a wife beater and abuser and he was studying who would pair up and potentially leave together. Those two people in amongst of the room full of people found each other and left together. It's a bit this, like bullying. Bullies don't pick on the person who is out there and confident, boom, 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 because automatically you're like, that vibe is not one that's gonna gel with what I wanna do. Mm-hmm. You're And a bit like that, we see this in the animal kingdom, often the weakest at, at the back of the pack. So that if there's an attack, someone gets left behind and the strongest lead the charge to move the others to safety. Now, many of the, when we'll put a strong member at the back to hold up the rear, it's the same in the human kingdom. And the animal that's gonna be the prey and the animal that's gonna be the predator, the predator will be able to immediately scan and go, you, <laughs> seriously, there is, right. and we pick up patterns. Yeah. And from that perspective, and I'm just gonna talk for myself now, the mm-hmm. patterns and the limiting beliefs that I carried right up until the age of 32, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough, I'm not capable enough. What I'm about to say, no offense to my previous partners, but I didn't necessarily choose my partners, they chose me because I didn't think I was good enough. So even if there's somebody I really have my eye on, I'd be like, oh no, they're not gonna be interested in me. And people therefore are running these patterns. Somebody can see those vulnerabilities. Thankfully, I have no idea how it happened. Thankfully, all of my previous partners, absolutely amazing human beings. And with the exception of one, I'm friends with all of them. And if I needed anything or they needed anything, we all know we can pick up the phone. I'll be right there. They will be right there. So I was lucky enough to attract incredible people and incredible men into my life. Not everyone is that lucky because Mm. somebody will be able to spot those vulnerabilities. Number one, they will prey on them and wear down your confidence. So you now think that you're number one, you're lucky to have them. Number two, no one else would want you, and number three, you're so flawed. You better be happy to keep what you've got. <laughs> That's the way that that horrible dynamic tends to work. Mm. And when people have grown up with a particular thing, you can you can just see the pattern. People often people often say. I don't want to be like X, Y, Z, but then that's the thing they're attracted to because so much energy goes into that. Mm. It just starts taking on a life of its own. And it is so, so common. I can't even begin to tell you. So common.
0: That's really interesting. Really interesting. Especially as you were saying about like, you know, you got the uh, the one who's being abused, the abuser, and somehow they just gravitate to each other. Like their energies kind of... You know, like uh, I don't know. You got the, the the positive and negative part of like a uh, of the magnet kind of pulling each other. It is
1: like the yin and the yang, where those two yeah. dynamics will it fit together. Kind of
0: fit together, isn't it? It's like you abuse. I like being abused. I don't know why, but hey, let's let's make it happen.
1: And sometimes people don't know any different. If that's what yeah. you've grown up with, that's that's just kind of almost the norm mm. in a in a way. And one of the things I know to be true because I sit with some of them. The people who, particularly if we're looking at women and men are abused as well, there's a whole, um, you know, we're starting to see more helplines to help men in that area as well. Mm. It's often people who, on the outside, are very confident, competent, capable. They're often holding down really serious jobs, have a lot of responsibility, but there's an area of their life which isn't quite isn't quite that so you it's not even you can tell by looking and now the similar sort of thing keep creeps in the guilt and the shame why am I letting this happen oh my gosh I can't tell anyone because people are embarrassed
2: yeah
0: so
1: now yeah. it all just becomes a, a secret that happens behind closed doors
0: that's really interesting yeah yeah I guess they just keep covering it up with something don't want to admit to it which was one of the things that really helped you to get out of your situation first of all admitting it to yourself and then being able to work from there can um, any person be hypnotized i heard you mention that you do hypnotherapy <laughs> and i've watched some you know some hypno stuff on tv and i thought come on that looks so fake and i don't know if it's all dramatized if it's all you know reconstructed and you know good actors and stuff but what i do want to know is can any person be hypnotized And if not um what is it that they have to have going on for them to be able to get this kind of treatment
1: i'm gonna say on one level yes now when i started out as you can imagine 20 years ago it wasn't as common as it is now and people come and go, oh, hypnotherapist, but you can't hypnotize me. And I go, yeah, you're right. I can't. And then I just go up and move, move on. And they're like, but I'm like, you've already told me I can't hypnotize you. We don't need to have this conversation because I already now that know there's going to be a degree of resistance. Mm. The reason I say on some level, yes, is that we are being hypnotized every single day. Right. Billboards, magazines, what we're listening to the things that people say to us, give it here, you're so clumsy, you'll never amount to anything. All of that is a form of hypnosis. We also know how powerful our, what you might call subliminal unconscious mind is, because I don't know if you remember, and this would have been, gosh, we're probably pushing back, a, I don't know, 10 years or so now, when product placement was first introduced onto UK television screens, before the program started, so something like X Factor would say, this program has product placement, why? They're telling you that there's going to be some products that are in front of you that might influence the way you think. Mm. Then they didn't say it anymore. But what would happen is before before it was allowed, like, let's say Simon Carroll would have a a PC on his desk. They would blur out the logo. We all knew what it was. (laughs) And then there'll be a bottle of something, you know, on the table. They would blur out the logo (laughs) because they knew that if we kept seeing that repeatedly, it's going to influence us. Yeah. Why do you think organizations will pay millions of dollars to appear in a James Bond movie where their watch does this across the screen, like for 10 seconds? Why? Because in that 10 seconds that that watch goes across the screen while James Bond is, you know, landing one, we see that. We're influenced by that. Why do you think people are dropping millions of dollars to advertise for 30 seconds in the Super Bowl? because we're influenced by that. So I'm saying using the word influence on purpose, but influence and hypnosis have some relationship to each other because we are seeing something or hearing something that impacts our mind and the way we think and the decisions we might then go on to make. You're not gonna drop millions of dollars for a Super Bowl attitude, it doesn't work it works so that's why i say on some level now coming back to what you were talking about with the stage hypnosis if you ever at one of those shows and it's one of the things you learn when you become a hypnotherapist you do a suggestibility test and you're going to get people to do a series of things so you might say raise your right hand if somebody raises their left hand you're not going to choose them (laughs) because they can't follow instructions (laughs) or if you say to somebody um you know stand up straight and they kind of half hunch you're not going to choose them because they can't follow instructions or not they can't they're choosing not to follow your instructions so right. by the time they've done that process of elimination the people who make it onto the stage are the most suggestible mm-hmm. in terms of what they are willing to do so right. they are going to be the ones who have fun now yes what you see when You know, and suddenly you're in a car talking Japanese and then somebody will, you know, open her eyes and da, 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 Yeah. You know, there's there's a part of their brain that is doing that. And sometimes they actually don't remember. But in terms of the thing I always say about it, look, and, and that's why I'm not anti stage hypnosis. It's fun. We seem to have a mechanism in our brain that will stop us if something goes against our values and our beliefs. Now, in the times of the Cold War, trust me, they tried to create human assassins who could, at the sound of my voice, go and do da 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 People just, they get to a point and like, oh, what we're we doing, what we're we doing, what we're we doing. Um, and so we've seen all of those experiments and how they've played out, don't get me wrong, there are people who would do it. But on the whole, we have what I call a morality check which is going to go, hold on a minute, this isn't right for me. And if it's not, well, like the last holiday I had in January of last year, before Corona was even a thing, uh, we were on one of these resorts. And one of the acts of the night was a stage hypnosis doing exactly what you're talking about. I didn't volunteer because I didn't want to do it.
0: Right, right. I I
1: didn't want to do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So now I'm not a good choice because I don't want to do it. Could I have done it? Yeah, of course I could. Did I want to? No, I'm just chilling with my mocktail watching the show. So there's an element of suggestibility. You're gonna choose the people who are gonna follow your instructions and really allow themselves to go deeply in it. And there are different layers and levels of hypnosis. And um, But on, on the face of it, I would say that all of us are susceptible to these things because that's who we are as human beings
2: mm-hmm.
1: anyone choose to be able to sit in a because when I first tried to do hypnosis probably 25 years ago when I thought oh gosh I've heard about it for confidence let me give it a go it didn't really work because I was sat on the man's sofa and he's saying and you're now on a beach I'm thinking no I'm not dude I'm on your sofa in South London <laughs> so I just couldn't allow myself right. to go there and mm. he's doing all these wonderful descriptions and I'm, I was just like I can't. know I'm not. What am I meant to be doing? This is wrong. It's not working. So I just put the barriers up myself. Um, and it wasn't until years later. I'm like, oh, I understand it now. Number one, I will use different ways to get into my clients' minds with their permission, because not everybody is going to be able to visualize being on a beach and feeling their feet on the sand. But there are other things that i could say and what i used to really laugh about all my life with my really analytical clients we get to part we get to we're getting towards the end of the breakthrough session they say so marilyn or we're doing a segment and they go so marilyn are we going to do any hypnosis today and i said oh we'll do it next time i've been hypnotizing them since the minute they walk through the door
0: <laughs> I, didn't notice, but I didn't
1: want them to notice because they would get in my way
0: yeah create resistance
1: and let me just be clear for anyone who meets me socially People say, oh my God, you're a hypnotherapist. I'm like, don't worry, I'm not going to be doing it if you're not paying me. <laughs> and and, and we as a social event, so you can relax. Because <laughs> it's an ethical thing. You're not just going to go and start messing with people's head just because you can. Just like a dentist or a doctor wouldn't, uh, you know, at an evening dinner party, whip out their scalpel <laughs> or their, you know, cl- cleansing rod. It, it's the same way I wouldn't do that either because that, that now is unethical. To, mm. to be working with someone and again I can be sitting somewhere very quietly people around me are talking and I think well I could help you with that I'm not going to say that I just mind my own business you're not talking to me I'm just listening on, that's interesting that's interesting the reason I will speak on Clubhouse is because that's what the conversation is about but I wouldn't just barge in and go oh yeah I can help you with that
0: yeah yeah let me ask can can a person hypnotize themselves yes they can oh man that I need to learn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not to say that oh, I've got some major issues or whatever, but if, I, if there was something where I felt, felt hey man, I want to be able to make sure that I do this type of task, and I would love to be able to hypnotize
1: You don't have to have major issues. When I first started, it's kind of gone on a scale now. When I first started, I was attracting people who had similar issues to me. Yeah. And we're resolving those. At, over the years, it's kind of transitioned now to people who want to next level their skills. So they're not coming oh, I've got this problem. It's like, we, we want a next level. let's <laughs> yeah. do this thing. And, and for me, one of the ways that I used a form of hypnosis and something called anchoring, when I first became a public speaker, I remember the day vividly. Um, I was at Kensington Olympia, gonna speak in front of thousands of people for a magazine called called Here's Health. Unfortunately, it doesn't exist anymore. it was brilliant. Um, and she, we're chatting away to, the, to what you call, the, call the runner. And she says, anyway, um, we need to get you mic'd up now, just go and get the mic pack. At that moment, I just felt because I oh my God, oh my God, the microphone. So while she's gone, I'm like, hold on a minute, Ms. Devonish. If this is going to be one of the things you do for your work in your career, because I wanted to do live TV and live radio, etc., I'm like, we need to calm down. Because I realized I was negatively anchored to the microphone. You know that they clip on the the thing they clip on.
2: Yeah.
1: The, the pack. I realized I was negatively anchored to that. I'm like, whoa, this can't work. So while she's away getting the mic, I'm standing there like and I'm doing a little form of mini hypnosis and I'm anchoring myself into when somebody says are you ready or says let's get you mic'd up I'm like let's do this thing born ready so that was then the new mantra etc that I gave myself ran a little process to install that into my mind Mm. by the time she came back she, she said are you ready I went born ready she put the thing on and that's where the rather than the fear and the panic it was excitement so now if anybody that I want to work with says, are you free to do this? My first thought is like, oh, I hope I'm free mm. rather than, oh my God. So, you know, yeah, it was a form of little mini hypnosis. I'm like, I can't have that because if I'm going to be terrified every single time the microphone comes towards me, number one, it's going to be a painful career or I won't. <laughs> I just won't be able to do it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. I think, um, I think a lot of people um without realizing do a lot of anchoring they anchor themselves in in so many ways that, that as you just said like you've created a new anchor and I think that's what you learn from an NLP as well isn't it
1: absolutely
0: a master practitioner um that's that's cool that's cool um have you ever worked with shamans before
1: I know a few. You know a few. Haven't done done the ayahuasca and all that. Uh, Actually, I was in a clubhouse room the other night, and they were talking about enlightenment and spiritual evolution. The whole room was about the use of psychedelics, and somebody very meekly said, um, "Is it possible to transform without the use of psychedelics and drugs?" I was almost apologetic, but when I was listening, I was thinking what he was thinking because I was in the audience. It's one where they were only bringing up the people that they knew. Um, But I was thinking i've had i've had pretty much all of the experiences they're talking about i just haven't used any psychedelics and drugs mm-hmm. so you know and don't get me wrong i've heard some amazing things about the ayahuasca ceremony i'm kind of curious i'm like oh i don't know if i want to be in the jungle for a week trekking <laughs> but you know apart from that sounds cool um <laughs> you know i don't like bugs this you know just just don't want to fall over me and in my hair you know with red lots. it's like oh, oh. <laughs> getting out of the hair, I was like, oh, it's too much trouble. Um, but you know, so it sounds amazing. However, for me, I have found another path to what for me was opening up to transformation and evolution. However, with regards to the shamanism work, something like Huna, for example, is very much about the, the traditions, the kahunas. Working with the land. When you're out in Hawaii, for example, you go to some of the ancient sites. There's a ritual trip that you take up to the mouth of one of the volcanoes. And so there's a lot of resonance with some of the things that would happen with regards to shamanism. When I did my psychic development workshops 20 or so years ago, we were learning many of those shamanic practices. Um, So from that respect, yes. And you know, I I have some cool friends who who practice in that in that realm.
0: Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's
1: interesting stuff, it really is.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I recently got a audio book called Spirit Hacking by Sharman Durek. Oh cool, haven't
1: Durek. read it yet. I'm saying um, yet, I have to get it on my list.
0: <laughs> oh, well I've got it on Audible and uh, I'm an I'm a audio fan. So I like podcasts and audio books when it comes to physical reading. Um, yeah, I need to learn some tips from you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we can, we can help you. with that. <laughs>
0: yeah um but i just thought wow like a lot of it is to do with like manifestation in all fairness um but there's like lots of other um lots of spiritual stuff in that and i just thought maybe you might have some kind of connections between what you do and some shamanism and stuff like that
1: when i think about higher self-therapy for example when you're going to some of these practices some of the things that people are doing is they're going up into the realms if you work with the chakras for example the crown Mm -hmm. chakra Mm -hmm. and that's one of the um it depends when people come on the photo reading if they're spiritually inclined they will normally sidle up at some point and go marilyn this tangerine technique which is just very you know very matter of fact but they recognize that the tangerine technique which is helping people to focus is also Connecting them to higher realms because it is that place because it's above and above and slightly behind your head and that is why people find photo reading a deeply spiritual and healing and relaxing process because for those in the know they recognise that this very simple tangerine technique is actually helping them to connect because I had a friend who calls him he's a spiritual mentor. He came on the folk reading workshop and on the Friday, he came up and said, you know what, Marilyn, I've already got my money's worth. I don't even need to come back for the rest of the weekend, but I will. And I said, why is that? (laughs) And he said, I've been trying to reach higher states of consciousness for years. It's hit and miss. He said, with that one technique you showed us, just takes a couple of minutes. He said, I'm reaching higher states of consciousness at will. And it's because we're working in a similar realm. I'm just describing it slightly differently when I'm talking about photo reading because we don't need to get into that side. Yeah. But when I'm doing the stuff with, the, with Huna and working with what you call the Avaiku, which are the Huna guides and working with the higher self and working with the elements and the elementals. And one of the, very, one of the things I loved about Huna straight off the bat in the first couple of days we had a whole session on correspondences where they said in this tradition they call it this in the maori tradition they call it that in they call it this and they listed all of the you kind know, of a lot of the spiritual and shamanic practices wow. and then they just told us the huna name for those practices and i'm like ah and if for me it's a little like religion mm. we might be fight people are fighting over something i'm like dude if you just listen to what that person said, they just said exactly the same as you, but one of you calls it this and one of you calls it that. So now I'm like, ah, we're probably all leading to a similar place. Mm-hmm. We just have different names for things and different modalities for them, but they're leading us to a very similar point.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Very interesting. You, you've done some stuff on, um, what do you call it? Past life regression. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Could you talk to me about that? First, first of all, what is it? What is it? It's like, past life regression. It sounds like my initial thought something to do with like dead people. Um, no, <laughs> that, that's as far as it goes. <laughs> I see dead people.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, you know, there's a, now past life regression. I this is how I say I said it right. I was sitting right here yesterday about this time, actually doing a session with a client mm. on Zoom. And I said to her, Look, we're going to do timeline therapy, which is going back into the past and it's a, a similar to um, past life um, regression. And I said, This is not a sightseeing tour. What we want to do, and I said, Also, even if you don't believe in past lives, If your unconscious mind believes the root cause of the problem is in another lifetime, just go there, just humor me and your unconscious mind. But the past life regression is saying, look, the premise is that if we potentially had lifetimes before the ones we have now, You might want to go back and see some of those lifetimes. You might want to go back and learn from some of those lifetimes. You might want to go back and heal some of those lifetimes. And I always say, and the very first time I had an experience where I was like, uh, see, I've got goosebumps just thinking about it just now. I was doing a timeline therapy session with a guy, um, black guy, about six foot six, almost as wide, um, (laughs) American football player. And he came to do a breakthrough session because he was always getting into confrontation and in his work, going through disciplinary. Either he was taking out a disciplinary action or the employer was taking a disciplinary action out against him. And he re- started to recognize the pattern. Well, he didn't actually recognize the pattern. He came because of the confrontation. I remember that I said to him, <laughs> I said, so in all of these instances you've, you've kind of listed here, do you see any pattern or any common, common threads? And he's like, no, no. And I'm, <laughs> I'm giggling to myself going he'll get there eventually. And then he went, me? And I went, well, I didn't like to mention, but now that you mention it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> So we
1: decide that we're going to we're going to do a timeline therapy piece. So he sits down on the chair. I've explained how we're going to do it. You're going to go up above your timeline, float back into the past because I we elicit where the root cause is. And he said um, past lives. No, no, past lives are gene- gene- genealogical, one of the two. So I said, okay, fine. So you're gonna go up above your timeline back to the root cause. Just as we were getting started, I'm doing the induction, he opened his eyes. He said, I don't think this will work. I I, I, I don't believe this. I says, dude, basically in a nutshell, I didn't say quite like this, I was a little bit more yeah. polite, but I did yeah. in the end say, look, just shut your eyes and shut your mouth and complain to me afterwards. <laughs> so we do the process now, he comes back into now. And I said, okay, great. You know, well now because we work on anger first and we're gonna do sadness. So we do anger, sadness, fear and guilt. And I said um, anything, and he said, "Oh, can I can I just share with you what happened?" I went, "Yeah, sure." So, and I'm like, "Now I'm going from here's the man who's complaining that it can't work, and now he wants to tell me a story." He said, um, "The vision that came into my mind is that I was on a plantation. I was a slave, and although I was physically strong, I was watching the women around me, my mother, my sisters, the women I cared for in the village, being brutalized." I was also watching my brothers and the men I cared for being tortured and beaten and killed. And he said, I did nothing. And I, and the anger now was growing that he did nothing, but he also knew that if he did do something, he would have just been taken out. So mm-hmm. now he's got ma- And he said in the, in the vision that he had of the past, the words he said was never again, no one is ever going to take advantage and treat me like this again. And in this lifetime, he could start a fight walking down the high street where somebody just brushes past him and now he's all you know ready to go.
2: <laughs>
1: Whether or not he really was on a plantation in the past life, quite frankly, I don't care. Did it resolve the problem when we went back and healed that past life? Yes, it did. So that's the thing I'm concerned with. Not and I have had clients who go back along their timeline and go back into the past. They've seen things and then they've gone back to their families and said, Hey, and they talked about it. And then somebody who's in the know goes, Oh, yeah, sounds like you're talking about da 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 da. da. I'm not kidding you. And there was one client who um, had lost her property fortune. We did the past life and she saw. Several generations, that there'll be a generation who had money, a generation who would lose the money, generation who had money, generation who would lose the money. And one of them gambled, and she, but she didn't know all this. When she goes back to check, one of the ancestors that came, um, the one before her, had gambled the whole family pile away, the big estate, the land, on the turn of a card, because he was a gambler. Wow. And she found herself in a position where she had a business partner who absconded with the money and left her with a load of debt. So she was now, you know, so the one, the generation before her had money, the one before that lost the money and it was going in that cycle. So she was now that third in that line. Mm-hmm. She lost it, not through any fault of her own, wow. but, I mean, but she didn't, when we're talking about it and saying, Oh, it's interesting. Then she went back to check and started finding out these things that had happened. So there's an element where, sometimes it's like whoa and other times I'm like maybe it's your imagination but we're using it to heal
0: how, how how do you bring all of this up do you do it through hypnosis or is it I don't know getting some beans and throwing it on a table and chanting some stuff <laughs> like-
2: how does it work
1: good idea that could add a bit more drama
2: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> we do it as a guided process so you know client will be sitting basically where you're sitting
2: mm. i'm
1: gonna you know I, I always tell people what we're gonna do so they know what's coming up and then i just say and take a deep breath in and close your eyes and then i guide them through the process of because i do past life regression and future life progression so yes. depending on which direction we're going. I'm going to guide them through a process and at various points you know because we always we always know where we want to start what our starting point is we go with it back to our starting point client is guided to that place and then once they are there now they're either going to ha- they're going to have an experience so sometimes people if quite people quite visual they maybe see like my client saw this man gambling away the family estate you might see like my client saw the devastation that was being wrought on this plantation. And for other people, they can't articulate it in words, in pictures, but they can say it, or it's a feeling. They'll get a feeling of what's going on. So it's very different for every single client. And I would say don't try and make it like a you know Hollywood movie, that's not what it's about. Mm. It's very different, but it's a it's a linguistically guided process where I'm talking them through what's happening and if they're a bit get stuck i might assist them with a blast of hoona to get them on their way but um (laughs) yeah so but could use some beans as well might give that a go it'll be fun
0: why not yeah (laughs) i don't know some uh, coffee beans or uh legumes or whatever but yeah it sounds really interesting so literally just you speaking to them and it could be remotely as well it's been remotely
1: for the past 15 years for the past 15 that's powerful So I started off by doing it by phone yeah and then when zoom came along I started using zoom I now got a webinar platform and I've now got for the Americans it's a HIPAA H-I- H-I- it's called HIPAA mm-hmm. it's a HIPAA compliant coaching room online coaching room but I started off by doing telephone sessions so I wasn't even seeing people mm-hmm. but as you know from clubhouse there's power in the voice because you start you open this whole thing saying you heard that woman speak and you could hear there's something in the voice not just in terms of her speech and the hearing impediment, but there's something in the words that she is saying that's going on. And it's the same way all of us have that skill. You yeah. could say to a friend of yours, hey, how are you doing? They go, yeah, man, I'm good. You know, just in those few words, they're not good.
0: And it, tell me, what's the problem? What's going on? Exactly. <laughs>
2: so
1: that's the same kind of sense. And actually, a lot of even when, when I'm doing Skype sessions and it's camera on, I'm sometimes a bit like, oh, because this is how I like to do my coaching sessions when I'm, when I'm talking to a client have my eyes closed because I'm listening and I'm feeling what they're saying. And then there'll be a point where I go, hold on a minute. Can we just go back to what you said about da-da-da-da-da? Because it's either something they said or how they said it or what they didn't say. And there are times, let's say I might be doing a Huna session, even on a photo reading workshop, And I'm with someone, I say, I don't know. I say, I feel a real pain in my stomach. And if, or I feel like somebody's just driven something through my back and they will sometimes just like, whoa, or they'll burst into tears because I'm feeling what they're like. How do you know that? And I, so sometimes I'll feel something. If I need to clear it, I feel it when I know when it's cleared because it's now gone again. So I'm doing that also when I'm with my clients. So there will be times I will say something completely random and so left field. If you were listening to a conversation, like, what have Disney Bunnies got to do with it? But I say it to the client, and they'll go, Oh my God, I watched Disney Bunnies this morning. You know, it will be so profound for them mm. that it's just out of this world. But it's a it's a verbal process, it's done with the voice. There are occasions where. I want to have some fun with a client. I might use a dousing rod because it's a, it's a visual thing um, to ask a question. You know, like a client might be going, well, I'm not sure. And I'm like, you are darn well sure. Cause I'm sure I already know kind of what I, but I'm like, okay, just, or there might be times I'm like, well, I could do, there's five different things I could do here. I think I'm gonna do this, but, da, 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 but let me check. And the dousing rod, people used to use these to douse for water, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the rods cross, however you set set the system up, when the rods cross, or they're looking for metal and gold, etc. So people still use these to this day in that context. And I use it to um, be, be a proxy for my clients and ask questions on their behalf. If they're really like, well, I don't know, I'm stuck. I'll say, are we okay? Do I have your permission? set the rods up so the rods are not answering me they're answering the client and then we'll have like show me a signal for yes brilliant and it will spin I say okay show me a different sign for no and it will spin the other way and then I can be asking questions so that's the close we might get to beans and you know throwing them on the table right. this is getting too weird for you now isn't it, He's like, no. okay now we've just gone there <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm loving it I'm loving it I'm loving it um would you say that some people have like unique healing powers and there there might be a way where they might need to find their ability. Like not everybody has it, but some people have it and they have to try to, I don't know, gain their power from somewhere, learn how to find their inner power, you know? And then they'll go up some hills and again, chant some words and balance on one foot, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> i love it i love it and that's one of the things when people ask me about meditation i'm like look cool if you want to go to the top of a mountain and chant on and do some jostics cool you can and mm. you can just do it on the london underground in russia because that's how i used to meditate back in the day because my diary was very full and that's the only time i had Right. I believe that we all we all have these innate abilities. Are we all using them? No. Are we all aware of them? No. Are we all in tune with them? No. Are we all in alignment with them? No. Do mm. we have them? I believe we do. Now, even on social media, people will put out posts and say, so-and-so is in hospital. Can you, they are, if they're religious, they'll say, can you pray for them? If they're not, they will say, can you send them some good vibes? That's healing. And there's a woman called Lynn McTaggart. I've worked with her several times over the years and interviewed her several times. And she, um, one of the books she wrote was Living the Field. And she still to this day runs a magazine called What Doctors Didn't Tell You. Lynn McTaggart has been doing, and there's a film called Down the Rabbit Hole. Lynn was in that back in the, you know, probably uh, late eighties, early nineties. One of the, they've done some experiments where they will have two sets of people in hospital and they have the, you know, control group and sample, et cetera one group of people they'll get some random strangers to pray for them now even the doctors don't know which group is being prayed for and which group isn't nobody knows the people who are being prayed for make faster recovery and these are people around the world who are just praying for them so when i'm doing energy clearing work with clients around the world it's exactly the same principle
2: right right and i
1: so even if someone hasn't gone on a training or gone to the top of a mountain and stood on one leg yeah yeah you know Can you send me some good vibes? Yeah, (laughs) it's similar. Do you know what I mean? So for me, I think we all have that. And when people talk about alternative medicine alternative therapy, I'm like, dude, we've been using herbs since back in the day. So I don't like the word alternative. I prefer original mm-hmm. because our mm-hmm. ancestors were probably doing They're probably looking down on us, giggling, going, oh, they're finally getting I can't it.
0: believe these people. It's
1: taken them so long. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> That's sometimes the way I feel yeah. because I think we all, have, you know, to give someone a hug, they're there. I think there's a, there's an, well, I don't think, I, my brain's like, you don't think you know. You know there's an energy transmission that comes from that. To hold someone's hand when they're going through a difficult time, put a hand on their shoulder, all of that, I think, is a form of healing. I mm. stop saying I think. I know it's a yeah. form of healing.
2: Mm.
1: Now, and they then taking it to the next level and doing some of the weird and wonderful stuff? Maybe not. <laughs> but I think we all have the innate ability to heal another human being or group of humans, and there's a whole thing. It it got a resurgence when Caroline Flack, the TV presenter, unfortunately died, and the hashtag was be kind. I believe that kindness is also a form of healing. When you are kind to someone, when you do an act of kindness, not because you have to, just because you can, it can change the trajectory of someone's whole day. It might even impact their entire life because, I've lost count of the number of people who can recount something that has happened, something that someone has done for them. You know, when Mayor Angelou says, people don't necessarily remember what they said, they remember how you made them feel. Yeah. That is a form of healing. And I think we all have that ability.
2: Mm, mm. And coming
1: back to your question about, is it, does it need to be activated? For me, when I had my soul, this is a whole another conversation. When I had my soul plan reading done in 2013, It talked about, oh my God, when I read it, it was like seeing my whole life laid out on five sheets of paper. (laughs) But it talked about the fact that I had the ability to be a channel, to be a teacher, to be clairaudient and to have many spiritual abilities. However, it listed all the things I have to overcome in order to activate those skills and all of those things that were in my soul plan. Because I was looking at it in 2013. So this is 13 years after But I'm looking, I'm going, oh, my! right down to saying one of the things that would help me would to be to volunteer. I became a Samaritan's volunteer the minute I sorted myself out. All of that was in my soul plan. All of the things I overcame in terms of finding my voice, I'm like, oh, my God, that's exactly what happened for me to then activate, if you want to put it that way, my healing abilities. Mm. But if you'd met me at 32 and you'd said all the things I did, I would have just laughed you out of town and went. What are you, what drugs are you on?
2: Because <laughs> it would
1: have made no sense. So, yes, I think you're right. There's sometimes, and speak to many healers, there's often been a rite of passage. They would have walked what I call the archetypal journey, where you hear the call and the invitation now is to answer the call, step across the threshold, face those challenges, be willing to go into the abyss until you go through the whole cycle and you return to the kingdom with your gifts. So in my case, the gift of healing and gift of oration that's written in my soul plan as well. And I'm like, soul plan. that's my
0: life. Where'd you get the soul plan from? Who writes the soul plan? Well, who's the I do.
1: Well, I do, I do, write... I'm i a soul plan reader. So okay. the soul plans now, you can, you can cast them by hand. Oh, who's got time for that? Um, <laughs> or, <laughs> or, or now I just, I need someone's birth name. So the name on their birth certificate, mm-hmm. run that through a program that produces a soul plan report. And then I will sit down with the client. I'll send them the report. They can read it. And then we do a soul plan reading where I now tell them what all the symbols mean and, you know, how you can resolve those, what some of the limiting beliefs are that may stand in their way. Uh, some of the, you know, what can they do in terms of self-help? What can they do in terms of therapy and training? Very, really specific. It's very spiritual, but very specific. Mm. and it's very popular in Japan. Um, and then we go through that and we then do a soul, uh, soul plan realignment session to get people read connected to themselves and I remember a few years ago someone who was I think she was 55 at that point when we I said do you have any questions or queries she said Marilyn thank you so much for explaining my entire life to me that's 55 years old it's five sheets of paper and an hour or so of conversation so it's kind of deep it's kind of deep but it's amazing
0: amazing amazing what about um those cards What do you call them? Tarot? Cards? Tarot? Yeah. Um, Again, one of those. I've I've seen them in uh, newspapers the back of uh, years ago. I think it was the Sun or Mirror newspaper where you've got um, those who have the the cards and I'm like-
1: Oh, Oh, Mystic Meg. Mystic Meg was one that I grew up with in the News of the World on a Sunday. It was
0: Mystic Meg. Oh, the, the stories on Mystic Meg was amazing 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 um but yeah and then there's the chunky dude who done the the card reading i can't remember what his name oh,
1: was um russell russell yeah yeah, yeah. yeah yeah is he
0: still about or is he russell's got about. He's um, one of my favorites
1: was jonathan Kaner he passed away but his son still does them but okay. yeah russell was, i think russell's still about yeah yeah
0: yeah is he on a diet yeah <laughs> if not i'm gonna i'm gonna hit him up look let me do your diet plan bro <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. We'll yeah, so the, like,
1: Russell, we we're talking about you you came to mind let's work
0: <laughs> yeah for real um yeah so yeah um the the whole card reading thing how does it work uh yeah how does it work so
1: the first thing i'm going to say how it works is spectacularly well the reason so for the last oh my gosh Oh, started doing it in 2016. I do a thing every month from my membership group called Tarot Tuesday. It's the favourite day of the week. And what I started to notice, I would do I do it like I do it on Facebook Live. So anyone who wants a reading, they put a yes in the thread because I need permission. I don't just pull out the cards and read for strangers or against someone's will because you're getting into their energy field a bit.
2: Right. So I
1: just say put a, put a note in the thread if you want a reading. And they just put yes. I do the reading. They watch the Facebook Live. I started to notice. I'd be saying something in the reading which seemed completely random as it's coming out my mouth. They would watch the replay and go, oh my God, I remember that when I did it, I believe it was in October 2016, did a reading for, somebody. he wasn't there, I was just talking to the camera. And I said, I don't know what's going on with your health, but I feel that you'd really want a second opinion. And I think you want, it. You want to go and buy some organic vegetables, completely freaking random. She watches the replay and said, Marilyn, I was just, I was at the hospital, which is why I wasn't watching it live. I decided I'm going to get a second opinion. And on the way home, I just decided to go and buy some some organic vegetables. There was one woman I'm doing the reading. Now she's a bit like me in terms of, you know, always on the go. I'm doing the reading. She wasn't there. And I said, I don't know. For some reason, I I said, I don't think this is your thing. I really think you need to go take a nap. And, you know, and I'm doing this reading. She comes onto the reading about 20 minutes later. And I said, oh, hey, she said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm late. I was taking a nap. (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, did you hear the reading I just did? This would go on and on. Or I would, I, you know, I did a reading for someone apparently. Um, and I'd said, um, you're going to be offered two jobs in quick succession, maybe at the same time. A year later, she's at one of my workshops. And she said, I didn't tell you, did I? You did a reading for me. And it also, something, there was something in my, oh, that's it. Her soul plan talked about being a teacher. She worked for local government. So that when I said that to her, she's like, "No, I'm not a teacher." It didn't resonate, and I'm like, I'm giggling to myself. I'm like, <laughs> "It will find you." Um, and then she noticed at work one of her mentees. The words he said to her, which is why it then all started coming back to her. He said, "Um, you're." He said, uh, "My fr- my one of my friends who started at the same time has got a mentor, but you're so much better." He said, "You're such a great teacher. Can you mentor him?" And when she heard those words, she realized because I said it's not always teaching in a traditional sense. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the job was, she went for an interview. She's walk, She's on her way home. She meets somebody that she'd worked with years ago, and he said, "Hey, what are you doing in the area? Should I just been for an interview?" He said, "I didn't know you were looking for work. Offered her a job right on the spot." So just as I'd said it in the reading, and what I then did, this went on for about a year and a half. I'm like, "This is bonkers." So I went back to everyone and I says, "Look, um, can I? I want to write a blog about this. Can I cut and paste what you've said about the reading?" and i'm going to go back and i went back i never go back and listen to my own my own recordings i went back and i listened to recordings and i did a word for word transcript of what i said and i cut and pasted what they said later i put them side by side i put them in a blog because i was just like am i imagining this that i will say something and exactly that thing happens and when i went and put them side by side i'm like nope it's pretty much and, and I and with the readings people often come and say oh thank you so much for the reading it's amazing and, and then and they'll say oh, it happened or and I, and I have to go back and go oh that's absolutely fantastic what did I say
2: because
1: <laughs> I'm not really listening it's kind of I do the card do the reading and on to the next person because I might do 15 20 readings on a Facebook live
0: wow I and... need to go on that Live. I want to check that <laughs> out <laughs> why not get a free reading what <laughs>
1: And I might pull the same card and sometimes if there's a, a vibe going on with the group, I might do 1520 reading the same card might come up seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times, or because all the decks are behind me there, I've got about 20 different decks, I might use a completely different deck as one of one person in the membership group, three months in a row, I use completely different decks each month, she got the same message. And she finally laughed and she said, Marilyn, you said that to me a couple of times before and I know I meant to. She said, I've been meaning to do it. I haven't got around to it. And the cards were relentless in Delivering the same message. So it doesn't matter about the deck. But what I'm what I will do if I'm using the same deck, sometimes I pull a card for one person, I do the reading, pull a card, the same card again later, the reading is different, because the card looks different, as in different things stand out to me. And I get different things that come into my mind to say for that client. So is it blows people's minds and often, you know, I did one on Facebook Live. I'll, I'll tag her into the video. I'll find it. Yeah. I've got a new deck. It was a deck from the artist Banksy. For those of you maybe in the United States, Banksy is an artist in, in the UK and he goes and paints things on walls, beautiful pictures. And somebody gave me a Banksy deck. So now I'm online doing a Facebook Live. I said, hey, is anyone about got a new deck? Anyone fancy a reading a woman called Frantonia? And I use her name because she gave me permission. Comes on, never met her. She's in America. She said, can I have a reading? I went, yeah, sure. So I'm shuffling the cards. I do exactly what I do on Tarot Tuesday. The cards are face down, so I can't see them. I pull them, what I call, do a blind reading. So I pull the cards, I start reading. I hear a voice in my head and it's a woman. And she's saying things I'd never say. So she's answering and saying, oh, tell, tell baby. I'm like, what? So I'm like, is this is all going into my head. I'm, like, I'm not saying that. So I am doing, and eventually I said, Frantonia. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, this isn't normally the way I would speak to people. But the words in my head, I relayed the words. She went, that's Granny Gracie. And seriously, everything I was saying is what Granny Gracie used to say to her. And the cards I was pulling were exactly what she was going on in her life. And at one point, I said something like, if we look at you on the face of this, none of this would make sense. However, da 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 da. She said that's exactly what's going on and you're right on the face of it seriously it's all there on, it's all unfolded on the facebook live wow. granny gracie is she's giving it some and give and then <laughs> she starts on me and starts giving me advice as well i'm like oh <laughs> so there's a whole comedy act but it's all there on facebook live um and, and seriously i i so if i were to answer your question how does it work <laughs> I think there's a I call it the um, the, uh, the kind of the, the kind of superhighway, the conscious superhighway, you know, where we're all kind of there's there's a kind of a, a stream of consciousness that we can tap into at various times. Mm. And because we are kind of on, a, on the face of it, energetic beings, I think there's an element of kind of tapping into the energy field, let me put it that way the words don't come from me that's why i often don't remember what i've said and there are times i might be talking and if i'm at an event i say that was so good i hope someone wrote that down because it's just like a stream of consciousness but i think it's tapping into that energy field bringing down what the what's going to be most relevant for that person to hear because i remember and his his testimonials on my website i've got a tarot page I was when I was first getting back into doing the tarot readings. I went onto Facebook and my e-newsletter list, and I just asked for some volunteers. I thought three or four people. Twenty-seven people said yes, and I think I actually did all of those readings. Oh wow! And, and for some of the people, I said, are, "Are you willing to share your feedback?" And he said, "Yeah." So I so I don't want people to tell me what the reading's about, but sometimes people want to. So he said, "I like a reading about blah." I'm like, "Cool." I'm pulling the cards. They're nothing to do with blah. They're everything to do with his work and his business. I'm just going to do the reading as it comes to me. So I do this whole reading thinking, geez, this is nothing that he asked me for at the end of the, because he's completely silent. At the end of the reading, he says, Marilyn, he said, I wanted to do a reading about my business and my work, but I decided to ask about this other thing, which was like a diversion. The reading was about exactly what he wanted to ask about, but didn't. Right seriously so it's all on the website in his own words Mm. and so I and so I always say look it's not me doing the reading per se it's the energy of the you know the vibe between me and the person that I'm reading for and because the reason I don't really want to know and the the deck I use is irrelevant if the cards have a message they're gonna deliver that for you
0: Mm, mm. love it man Wow, that's some great. I'm so impressed with your open-mindedness because at no
1: point have I seemed to have freaked you out yet. No,
0: no, no. I've I've, my mind is very, very open. There's lots of things that thank you. Sorry, my daughter just switched off the light and she's just turned it back on. Just leave it, please. Mm. Mm -mm, mm. I'm talking, not now. Not now.
1: How old is she? She's six. Oh, lovely.
0: Yeah, going on 16 or 18. I was just about to say, you know,
1: probably, yeah. yeah
0: uh no but this is this is great stuff like yeah and the thing is when as I was going through your um your bio and I saw these things I was like oh my god even better because the, the questions I was gonna uh, prepare was more to do with psychology but then when I saw this other stuff I'm like wow this is <laughs> cool really cool so um I think I think we can wrap it up what I'd like to know is that uh, where can people find you? So you're on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle?
1: The Instagram handle, it's the Neuro Success Coach and N-E-U-R-O, success, that's one word. So the Neuro, the, neuro, the dash, Neuro Success Coach might change that, take the dashes out. And yeah. if they search for Marilyn, M-A-R-I-L-Y-N, Devinish D-E-V for Victor, O-N-I-S-H on all of the other social channels. So LinkedIn, Facebook, um, Twitter, it's forward slash Marilyn Devonish. It's just the Instagram, which is slightly different.
2: That's hmm. the
1: easiest way to find me and my website. I'll say it and I'll spell it because it's an unusual spelling. It's transformationstm.com and trance, T-R-A-N-C-E, as in hypnotic trance. Yeah. So F for Freddy, F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N-S, TM as in trademark. So transformationstm.com. And then there are, there's a lot on the website. I've had that website for 20 years, so it's just, well <laughs> um,
2: But Is anything like your the, resume? <laughs> no, it,
1: it is a bit like that, but there is a page for the photo reading. There's um, a page for the, the tarot reading. There's a page for the soul plan readings. Um, so yeah, it, it's all on the website. And if anyone has any questions and they can email me, marilyn at transformationstm.com and, and happy to answer any questions.
0: Awesome. Do you host any uh, clubhouse rooms at all? Yeah.
1: So I'm going to start doing, at at the moment, they've been random and ad hoc. So I did one on dealing with stress and overwhelm. I did one on productivity recently, how to get more done in less time. I did a Huna one. I actually did a soul plan one. Somebody in a a room was having some serious challenges. And I don't normally do this, but I said to her, I said, look, I, I didn't, I said, if you want me to do a soul plan for you, just let me know. And then I DM'd her and said, I wasn't joking. I'll do a soul plan for you. So I did the soul plan report and I emailed it. And then I thought, this could be cool. No, I didn't email it before. I And I went, no, 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 let me ask her. She's up for this. And she can say yes or no. I said, here's the idea. What I think I want to do is do your soul plan reading on Clubhouse. So you hear it for the first time as I'm doing it. Lord, she was, I don't, I still don't know. I never met this woman. It's just a little picture. All I could hear was, Wow, whoa, or silence, and I was like, Are you there? She's like. Sorry, I'm just taking it in. So, you know, so I've had a play. I did a Tarot Tuesday one as well. So, yeah, I've been having a play with the various rooms. um, And I will, you know, I'm going to apply for a club, of course, and then start really going. Because, you know, with my membership group, we do like Motivation Monday, Tarot Tuesday, Wisdom Wednesday, Think Tank Thursday, which is a Facebook Live Ask Me Anything consultancy thing, Focus Friday, Sharing Saturday, Soulful Sunday. So I'm probably going to do something similar-ish, on Clubhouse as well. And I'm always running, you know, webinars, seminars, and the way to find out, just join my e-newsletter list which you can do from the website, top left. Um, <laughs> and people get updates about, you know, forthcoming events. And if I'm ever looking for, I used to call them guinea pigs. I now say volunteers. <laughs> if I'm trying out new processes, I always go to my e-newsletter list and people can volunteer and get a, get a, get an experience for free um, as I test things out and make sure they work.
0: That's awesome. So so these different days which you have are they all on uh, on Facebook?
1: Yeah so I've got um, a small membership group okay. and, and the, the, yeah. the membership is seriously one One year I just undo a membership group and I never really talked about it since then um, and all of these themes they happen in the membership group okay. um, so you know Motivator Monday is normally kind of an exercise or something Wisdom Wednesday is like a curated essay piece where we go through the ages everything from Socrates and Aristotle through to Jennifer Lopez and um, everything seriously I'm not kidding you when I did the Andy Warhol one was really fascinating the abraham maslow one blew my mind and uh, the jennifer lopez one was surprisingly inspirational so i pick people and i pull out the wisdom that they shared with us throughout their life Mm. and da 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 so yeah it's it's fun i I love doing it sharing a bit of info getting people to think in a different way
0: that's awesome that's awesome look marilyn it's been absolutely amazing seriously (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> absolutely amazing let me know when you're next on clubhouse because i want to definitely tune in and uh hear more stuff what you got to say we can
1: maybe do a clubhouse we could maybe do a clubhouse room i'm sure between us we could come up with something you talking about maybe the physical and the body and me talking about the mind we can do something. i thing. talk
0: about mindset as well a lot to do with mindset cool Isn't well that's that pretty... going to be the
1: perfect combination because it'd be yeah. really nice to hear it from different perspectives and get the two dynamics of the the different kind of energy
0: yeah let's talk let's make it happen Marilyn, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, and we'll definitely catch up very soon.
1: Wonderful. Thank you for the invite. I've really, really, really enjoyed it, and thank you all for watching.
0: Awesome. You take care now. Thank you for tuning in today's episode. Any guests which I have on the show really provide some golden nuggets and useful life changing tips. So always feel free to check out their social media platforms or website links, which will be written in the show notes. These shows are financed by my sponsors, so your contributions are always greatly appreciated. Any clickable links with discount codes will not only provide you with the best services, but will help out the podcast too. So, thank you. If you do like The Roger Snipe Show podcasts, then why not give it a review? A five-star would be awesome, but some great feedback on what you liked about the show or what you would have liked to hear would be helpful too. Until next time.